As you know, today is Mother's Day, which is an exciting day for a lot of us, but we also recognize that on a day like today, it's not always just an exciting day for, for everybody. And some of you have experienced a lot of hard in regards to what it is to be a mother even this year. Some of you, we recognize you've lost a child this year. Some of you have lost your mom this year. And so this is a really hard season. And yet, at the same time, it's a moment for us to stop and to think about what this means and what Mother's Day means and what it is for all of us. And I hope that as we talk about this in the next few moments, and as we have opportunity to hear from some, uh, from some ladies within our congregation, that you and all of us can catch a vision for what God has intended for every single person in this room. Whether you are a, 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 the mother of a child, you're an adoptive parent, or, or whether you're a father or a husband or a single or whatever that role looks like, God has an intent and a purpose for your life. And he has a reason that after we're baptized, we are called up to live, in his, to live by his power in his strength. It's no longer us who lives, but it's Christ who lives in us. And so we want to do that. But at the same time, we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate all the hard work that moms do. And so with that, I, I want to draw your attention real quick to a video that we want to just share with you, and then we'll continue on in our service together. Motherhood plays an important role in the Bible. It binds the beginning and the end. These stories offer us a glimpse into the heart of God. And so we start at the beginning. Taken from the side of Adam, gifted with bringing forth life, the first woman was named Eve because she was the mother of all living. But she was also a mother in her own right, the first of many mothers to come. Though Sarah's womb was closed, God promised nations and kings would come from her. Ten years pass and motherhood seems as impossible as the day it was promised. But the Lord is faithful to keep his promises, and Sarah bore a son who made her laugh. Leah was the firstborn, overlooked by her husband Jacob, who gave his heart to her younger sister. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. Despite Jacob's disdain, she found her motherhood in the Lord. When Pharaoh became angry at the fruitfulness of the Hebrews, Jochebed sacrificed her motherhood for the sake of her son. When Pharaoh's daughter saw the child, she had compassion on him. Because of Jochebed's sacrificial motherhood, the Israelites found freedom. Naomi was a mother who experienced the loss of her sons. Yet she gained a daughter in Ruth who declared, For where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Naomi and Ruth became family by faith. Mary, a virgin and not yet married, was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The motherhood of this blessed woman was more than the continuation of a family name, but a means for God to bring a savior into the world to save his people from their sins. From the garden to the cross, there have always been mothers. These women paved the way for all women, representing the full spectrum of the ways one could be called mom. Whether a mother in faith, mentorship, 
adoption, or by birth, you play an important role in the stories of generations to come. To all the Sarahs, Leahs, Jochebeds, and Naomis, Happy Mother's Day. love that video because it helps us begin to catch a vision for something bigger than just what we might consider biological motherhood. While that is a tremendous role and something to be celebrated and something to look forward to, it isn't the only role that God has given in regards to motherhood. Motherhood is not just anchored in the family and it's not just anchored in a, a, a biological child. It's anchored in creation. In Genesis, God told Adam and Eve, he said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over birds of heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so this idea of to be, being fruitful and multiplying is a biblical mandate from Genesis. And while it certainly implies in that text and engages in this text, like um, having children, it's so much more than that. And we see it further on in the gospel. In the Old Testament, though, before I jump to the gospel, we have something that's very famous. We read it all the time when we do our parent dedications for a reason, and it's out of Deuteronomy 6. And this is when God commands the people of God, his people out of Israel, what they should do when it comes to him and in the family and in the home and what the purpose and what the point is. And he says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And he goes on. And Deuteronomy command this idea of, okay, as we bear fruit and as we multiply, that we're to teach these people. We're to teach these children all that God has done. And so here's then where the gospel comes in. Jesus comes and he brings new restoration and new life and brings us all into a new family. And in Matthew 28, he gives us a command. Many of you know what the command is, right? Go therefore and make what? Disciples of all nations. And what are we supposed to do with those disciples? We're to teach them everything that Jesus has given. Do you see how Jesus has now taken the mandate to be fruitful and multiply and given it to every single person in this room? Go and make disciples. And do what? The same thing that we're supposed to do in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Teach them to obey. Teach them all that God has done. Teach them all the mysteries of what God has done. And so I want us to catch that vision this morning. And I was thinking about having the opportunity to share and to teach on Mother's Day this morning. I realized I am wholly inadequate for a lot of reasons, some of which you can see just by me standing here, right? Like, I'm not a mother. Uh, and, and secondly, I often think that we can stand up on a stage and we can give you lots of information about what it looks like and what you should be or shouldn't be as a daughter of God, as a mother, as a mentor, as someone who comes alongside of someone else and, and shares the gospel with them or shares the word of God with them. Like, we can teach you a lot of information, but we oftentimes as a church don't do a very good job of giving a vision for what that actually looks like in the day-to-day -day when the rubber hits the road and you're running around doing all of the different things that God has called you to. And so I wanted to give an opportunity for some wonderfully godly um, ladies to share with you some of that vision. So I'm going to invite some of them up right now. Um, ladies, if you go ahead and come on up at this point. 
And we're going to have a discussion, and I'm going to have an opportunity to just ask a lot of different questions, uh, and, and you get to hear from them what it's like to be um, a, a mother. And not a mother just in the sense of what you might think in terms of biological kids, but I think you'll see here in just a moment, a mother in a much broader sense of the vision that God has called us to and, and what that looks like. And so as they're coming up, ladies, go ahead and come on up, grab a mic and have a seat. I want to go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump right into this. Father, I first of all, I thank you so much for these ladies who are willing to come up here and, and stand and sit and just share their heart for the calling that you have given them. I pray, Father, that you would speak through them. Uh, I know that um, there's probably a lot of nerves in this moment, and I pray, Father, that you would just speak um, by your spirit to your people, encouraging and leading and giving the vision that you have for women, and not just for women, but for all of us within the church. And so, Father, I want to just pray a blessing upon this time. We just ask these things in your name. Amen. All right, well, I'm going to uh, take a moment to just first and foremost introduce you all uh, to the congregation. Some of you know these folks, but I'll start all the way down here at the end. This is Linda Lamp. Uh, Linda is the wife of Ross Lamp, who was on staff for a long time here at Central as one of our elders. And um, then next to her is her daughter, Wendy Johnson. Uh, and so we get to see some uh, of, of God's legacy building uh, within uh, a family. And, and Wendy's got a daughter that's now in college and has walked through that process. And so next we have Hannah, I almost called you Schmidt, Hannah Rood. Um, so, uh, but Hannah Rood, who has served the church and been a part of the church in so many different facets um, over the years. And Hannah is a great example of someone who has a, kind of a, a lot of experience in this regard, right? So she works with our girls in um, junior high. Uh, you get to work with my daughter, so don't share any stories of her this, this morning. I'm sure she would be mortified at that. Um, but uh, you work with her, and uh, you do a fantastic job with Kristen in that space. And you're also, uh, you work outside the home. Um, you've adopted. You have a little one on the way. And so you just got all kinds of experience in this space. Um, and then you all know my wife, um, my wonderful wife, Karen, who this is, uh, she's never going to let me forget that I drug her up on stage on Mother's Day. Um, but uh, obviously she has a lot of experience as well and just so much appreciate her heart and uh, the wonderful mom that she is um, for our kids. And then Emily Barham, who um, has served in many different ways. And what I love about em Emily's story is that Emily has years ago felt the call in her life to come alongside of and walk with women in this process of that making disciples component of, of sharing and mentoring and, and communicating the word of God. And so there's a lot there when it comes to just this idea of spiritual motherhood. And, and so I'm super excited. Thank you all for being present. So here's what I want to start with. Um, and so you guys get your mics ready and get ready to go. Um, but uh, here's where I want to ask first, when we st sat down and started talking the one unanimous thing that all of you said was, why me? Like, I don't feel sufficient to do this. I don't feel like I, I should be up here. Uh, and so with that being said, I, I'm just curious to hear your hearts as to, one, why you feel uh, that way. Because a lot of times I think we all feel that way, and we oftentimes don't realize that everybody else often feels that way. But, but why have you answered the call here this morning to be present even in the midst of that feeling of insufficiency, if you will. That makes sense. The floor is yours. Hello. 
I will start because, to be honest, when I got the invitation from the church and I was listening to Darren's assistant on the phone telling me about the panel and asking me to pray about joining, I thought, wait a minute, this is a mistake. This is Mother's Day. I am not a mother. That was my first response. And it took me a while in coming to the meeting to realize that, yes, it is very true. We are all called uh, to reach out to others for the sake of the gospel, for Christ. All of us, every single one. And it, I was one of those that was saying to myself, well, I'm insufficient. I'm not very self-confident. I could just go through many of those things. But then I thought, no, wait a minute. Maybe that's a feeling I sometimes have, but God is, is able. God is, I need to be God confident. And I thought, yes, um, I, can, I can come and share because all of us are called to do that. And that includes someone like me who is single, no children, uh, but I have many spiritual children and that's such a gift. So ladies, what would you say to other women who would say they feel insufficient? <laughs> They're fighting. Another, is this on? Yes, they're all, you should all be on. I think, and just last night, even this morning, the Lord just um, encouraging my heart. I don't know how it is for you guys, but it is a really good place to come to when you realize that you are insufficient um, because we all are completely insufficient. And I know as a mama and an adopted mama that it is a moment-by-moment -moment dependence upon the Lord for each little circumstance and um, in a, a complete dependence upon him doing that work in and through me and to my children. Um, I don't know about you guys. Do you ever feel like you just nail it? I, I don't ever. <laughs> and, you know, um, even in that, just to know that we've been called to what you were saying, Darren, is to disciple them, and sometimes even that discipling a lot of times is even um, in our failures, um, and that we are completely dependent upon Christ, if that makes sense. When did you have something? Well, I was going to say just about the same thing as Karen, is that I think that that is where the Lord wants us, um, to be realizing that we, we do not have what it takes, but he is faithful, and if he calls us to something, he will, um, it's, it's not that he calls us because, oh, I can see she's going to be a great mom, or they're going to be a great person here, <clears throat> is he uses that to, um, to really bring us to our knees. And I think the things that I look back to, not just with um, being a mom, but just the other things that in... Um, my singlehood, the hard things, what I look at in those times is that is the time that I cried out to the Lord the most. Um, and so I think that that is just a loving way that the Lord calls us to himself is to allow difficult things and hard things um, uh, to, to bring us just to our knees so that we know he is sufficient um, and I am just the vessel. Um, so that's what I was thinking. I love it so much because uh, how many times I've, I've had moments where it's, 
whether it's counseling a young couple uh, or talking to somebody about whether or not they should step into ministry, hearing over and over again, well, we're not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And I just want to laugh and say, like, whoever is ready, right? Like, if you've ever had kids, if you thought you were ready, you know day one you weren't ready. If you ever step into discipling somebody and you think you were ready, you know day one you weren't ready because they bring all kinds of stuff to the table you didn't expect. And so I love just that's such an important thing. Um, ladies, as you think about our world and you look at the world, just the culture in which we live in, what lies do you feel like are being told to um, really specifically moms and the purpose of, of women within society and, and what that role is? You know, I talked about that God has given the role for each of us to, this, to, to be fruitful and multiply and to be engaged in teaching what God has given to us. And we see it in Timothy and Titus, and we see it all over the Scripture that this is part of our role. What, what are the lies you feel the culture is telling uh, our ladies? I mean, I think that's a really hard one um, because... You know, I was thinking about this question and thinking about work in the public schools with all these girls who are um, just their idea of womanhood um, is very just, I am woman, hear me roar. I can do anything, you know? It's very just follow your dreams. So I come in now as their you know, teacher and they, oh, it's so cool that you do this. It's cool that they're excited about the baby and they're excited about whatever else. And, um, but it's very still self-empowered. And as, you know, you guys are expressing, and I think all of us agree, um, all of us had to come, the best mothers have to come to the place of, literally, I can't do it, and I, I'm not enough, um, and rely on the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And so I watch them, and I, um, it just, it breaks my heart to watch them, because I know that they're going to try, and they're going to strive, and they're going to do all these things, and they're, at the end of the day, they're going to come back, mm -hmm. just like I do, feeling like a failure sometimes or feeling, you know, not sufficient. But then in that, I get to lean into that and say, of course I'm not sufficient. I wasn't, I wasn't made on my own to be alone, first of all, without the Lord empowering me, but also without my community of brothers and sisters and, and that have encouraged me. And, um, and so I think that's what I really see is just that you can do whatever you want. You, you go and follow your dream. You know, just kind of adding to that, the culture seems to be devaluing, first of all, devaluing even people and devaluing family, devaluing motherhood, fatherhood. We can't, we can't see very much in the culture that is reinforcing a, the reason for a strong family. There is the attitude that each individual is kind of a life unto themselves and that they should seek to satisfy themselves. Know yourself, satisfy yourself, and the self-esteem situation, which I think is not biblical, we're to esteem one another's, not yeah. ourselves, you know? And all of that has just become a vortex of selfishness, really, in our world. There's no vision 
for expending yourself, for sacrificing yourself or giving yourself for anyone, let alone your children or even other people to disciple them. I listened to a, an interview this last week with a lady who was ahead of some abortion rights organization, and she, I just began to cry when I listened to her because she even implied that a fetus did not have the right to take up space in a woman's body that I can't go on and on with the whole thing, but I was just shocked at that. And the culture is poisoning the whole idea of God, all of God's ideas for us. And it's hard to really stand against that. Now, it's not hard for really for us to stand against it. But when our children are growing up in that atmosphere and they're hearing it, whether it's from a school or whether it's from the media, that is just poison going into their systems. You really have to counter that. Right. It's the whole antithesis of of needing the help of the Lord. It's the whole antithesis of needing community and needing family. It's, I can do everything on my own. Um, and so that's, that's super dangerous. Um, you know, I mentioned before that this is all anchored within creation and that we would say that, you know, one, in the world's perspective of motherhood, we, they would say that it's the role of the mother to provide and that it's the role of the mother to teach what to do in terms of life and how to live and how to engage the world and make sure they're safe and all those types of things. But as a Christian, we believe that the number one and priori, primary role is to make disciples of our kids, right? And, which is, again, why that extends to your work with the junior high students or with your kids in class, where it works with when you guys do mentorships or when, Emily, you're working with ladies. So when you think about that role as the primary role for a Christian woman to, to make disciples, how does that or how has that played itself out? And how do you try to go about fulfilling that role in your area of life, just really specifically, because I think a lot of people go, well, I'd like to do that, but I don't really know how to do that. Well, I think, and I just loved the video. I don't know if you all ladies love that video, but um, just how God made women. I was, you know, just brainstorming with Darren last night, and um, I wonder if Alana, Alana Gregerson in the house here right now, she had a baby this couple weeks ago, but God made women to be fierce. Like, we are fierce. The whole mama bear thing, it is a real, real yeah, thing. We like, all know that. and, <laughs> and not, yeah, someone's amen. And, and, but just how, you know, to like what you were saying, Emily, that we are insufficient of ourselves, but we are irreplaceable. Like, a, a mother in a home, no matter if you work out of the home, you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a homeschool mom, like, we are irreplaceable, and, you know, and it takes a lot of intentionality um, to, to be, you know, fulfilling that call, and it's going to look, every one of us, it's going to look different, um, you know, and I know for me, um, I work out of the home just a little bit, but it's being intentional with, you know, with Jade in the morning of, 
you know, sometimes it's an insane morning, and I know she's going into a public school, and there's going to be nothing mention of God, and I woke up late, my hair looks crazy, what am I supposed to do, Lord? And, but it's, again, that coming to that, I can't, I can't do this, and she needs it, God, and the Holy Spirit is always so faithful to go, baby girl, what did you read this morning? Oh, yeah, that. So as we're eating cereal, I am you know, and it's helping me digest and chew more on what the Lord has already taught me, then I'm teaching it while we're sitting. I'm teaching it, you know. I know a sweet mama that um, is a doctor, and through her house, she has Bible verses plastered on, like, every single mirror. Like, you can't get away from Scripture. And, you know, it is just being intentional to fulfill that calling, and it's going to look really different um, and I know, you know, just being, being faithful, depending upon the Lord and watching for those opportunities. Like, you know, I know my kids are sitting over there. I, oh, the sun's rise. I'm like, isn't God amazing? Look how he always pointing back to the Lord, like making the most of every opportunity. Um, and yeah. Love to hear other thoughts. Um, as a single, I wake up to a house that's very quiet. <laughs> there aren't children to feed um, and to get ready for school. So it's a different uh, situation. But I think one of the most important things for all of us is we need to be prepared. And what I mean by that is we have nothing to share unless we are in relationship with the Lord ourselves. Amen. And I don't mean just simply coming to know him. I mean walking with him, growing with him, learning from our own failures, uh, learning when we're anxious, what do we do? We need to be in a vibrant relationship with the Lord ourselves. If we do not have that, we have nothing to give someone else, really, to help them grow. Um, so as a single, I think, some ways it begins is by sowing seeds, um, by looking, by asking the Lord to give you opportunities, then to be mindful of when, ah, this might be an opportunity. My newer neighbors across the street, they've only been there two and a half years, um, have asked me to babysit for their little three-year-old a couple of times. And I've done that. And it's been wonderful. Very unchurched family. But uh, the wife, I've had more opportunities with her. We've talked about backgrounds and things, and I'm listening and asking questions. I invited them to the Easter service. Pretty sure I would hear a no, which I did. But you don't get frustrated with that. Uh, that's part of developing a relationship. And I think... As we work with people, and um, everything grows out of relationship, we need to be pursuing relationships, asking the Lord who he would want us to be in relationship with. Um, I'll, I'll give you one example. I lived overseas for many years, and about six years ago, I came back to Wichita, where I grew up, um, to help, to, to care for my elderly mother who has dementia. And that's been its own journey. She just turned 94 a very tired 94 um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
But for the first three and a half years, I was caring for her in the home. Um, that was increasingly challenging, and with that I had to line up a few people to begin coming in the home. And one of the things I first thought was, I need help cleaning this house. <laughs> I can't keep up with this. So looked for someone, prayed about it, and got a housekeeper to come in. And over time I realized, gosh, I don't really have time to go out and talk to a lot of people out there and do things, but God has brought somebody into my home. And, you know, we had a lot of spiritual conversations over the weeks and months and years that she was there. And that woman and I sat down for a Bible study that was interrupted by COVID, hasn't resumed, but uh, we're still in contact. And so I'm just saying, God gives opportunities. We need to be looking for them. And that comes out of relationship and being open to them and willing and making time. That is just beautiful, Emily, because I was thinking about the seeds, like you were talking about planting seeds. And that actually has been a theme, um, well, it's all through scripture about the harvest and planting and sowing and um, looking around us for where, Lord, you could plant seeds. And I love that um, God calls us to plant seeds and he calls us to harvest but he is the one that does the growing. And I'm so thankful for that. He doesn't tell us, you do the growing, because we know that we can hardly change our own heart. We cannot change the hearts of other people. And even though many times I am, I'm trying to change the heart of my kids, um, I'm sure you all can relate to that. Um, and then I realize, you know what? I cannot change their heart. Lord, only you can. Uh, and so we just lay the, those um, children before the Lord. We lay the people we are working with before the Lord. But um, I'm just so thankful that he is the one. Um, and even it talks about that in the church, the nurturing the church, that one plants and other waters, but it's the Lord that gives the increase. And um, because sometimes we judge of what if we're doing a good job by what the fruit is or how the the growth is growing and there's a lot of times that we could be really discouraged if that's what we are basing our worth upon or if we're doing a good job but God calls us to be faithful to him and then he is going to take care of the growth and the success um, but the other part I was thinking was about seasons and of what season you're in and just to be going before the Lord and saying God, what season do you have me in right now? Because that is going to change through the years. And when I um, was single, I, I didn't get married till I was almost 30. So I had, of course, I thought I was really old when I was 30. Um, <laughs> now I realize that's very young. Yeah. Uh, but I had um, those years. And, and so God put me in different situations there of where I could plant seeds. And, and um, but I at that time was mentored by a couple of other women, and um, I am so grateful for that. Um, most importantly, my mom, um, and I'm so grateful. I can just see how my life was so impacted by my mom and what, and her laying her life down um, for us and for her living out her faith, even though she says a lot of times she feels like a failure. Um, but I think it's the living out. It wasn't perfect, 
And I think that, but she was transparent with that. She asked forgiveness. Um, and that is what I want to do too with my own kids. And even yesterday I had to ask one of mine um, that I was sorry that I spoke, that I asked, I was upset and I was frustrated with how things were going with kind of a cleaning situation. You moms can relate. And I came back and I said, I am sorry. I, I want you to obey. I want you to do this. But I, I really could have said that in a much kinder way. So will you forgive me? And so I know that I am still a work in progress. Those kids are still a work in progress. Um, but to get back around to your first question, which I'm sorry, is the mentorship is that I see that I have other people that are older than me, wiser than me, that are still pouring into my life. And then I have ones that are younger than me that I am beginning to pour in. And so it's kind of that cycle that I'm still learning, but then I can pass along what I have um, have learned. And sometimes that might be one-on-one, -on -one, but if you don't have a if you don't know who to ask, or if you just being in a woman's Bible study, starting there, getting to know other women in the church, I think that you will find that we were we are all human, we're all imperfect, but we have a great God. When you said one of the things you mentioned was discouragement, and I want to touch base on that because I think a lot of times what happens in um, our lives is we experience all kinds of specific discouragements and specific failures where we wake up in the morning and we're like, oh, wow, I, I can't believe I did that or I failed in that or I don't know what to do in those spaces. And um, like you said, there's different seasons and you get this realization that at times that, well, we oftentimes look at ourselves only in our, our own little world. Karen and I were joking with our neighbor yesterday about how we had this couple over to our house at one point, um, young couple, they were like in their 20s and um, we, were, we were like, oh, this, this is going to be fun, and we're going to have friends, and, and you know, this could be a fun time with friends. And we realized about oh, midway into it that they had called us to be together with us because they wanted us to mentor them. And we were like, oh, no, we've reached that age. And the first thing that I realized in that moment was, and we realized in that moment was like, how in the world can we mentor people when we're still in the midst of that? And we look at people that have gone on before and think, well, oh, they've always, they've got it all together. They've got everything perfect. And in reality, none of us do. And none of us have that. And we, every single one of us, regardless of how long we've walked this planet, have those moments, those mornings, those nights, those evenings where we're discouraged. And so what I'd love to hear is for you ladies whether it's working with kids in the middle school or whether it's working with ladies, Emily and you, or whether it's parenting or mothering or mentoring or your own kids or adoption or foster, whatever that is, what are those moments, if you guys could be transparent, that you often find the most discouragement in? And then what do you do in those moments? Because I'm guessing that you, your areas of discouragement are very, very similar than many of the rest of us as we try to walk faithfulness. And so what are those specific moments of discouragement that you've experienced, and what do you do in those moments? How do you address that discouragement? How do you engage that discouragement? I was actually thinking on that specifically this morning, and, um, and it kind of goes back to that first question was um, some of the lies, and I think that's part of it, but it is very easy. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but to play like the comparison game and be like, oh, that family reads the whole Bible together every 
month. <laughs> and they know all, they have the Psalms memorized. And I am just like barely trying to get a little verse down Jade's, you know, into her little heart in the mornings. And, um, or they make homemade ravioli and I'm like trying to just get some food. And, and but just how there's different seasons and, and then, you know, and looking around and like, oh, they look so put together or this or this. And the Lord is so good. And what he was just reminding me again this morning is that he called me to be the mom of Isaac, Samantha, Ethan, Jade, and little Andrew is what it looks like. And you couldn't parent those kiddos. That God purposely have has me being their mama married to this pastor you know, doing these specific things that he's called me to do. And it, it is not possible for me to look like any other mother in here. And, you know, now I do, should we look at others? Like, you know, I look to my mother-in-law, my mom, like different things and gleaning wisdom, but not to compare myself or to, to discourage myself when, you know, it's in the morning. It goes back so much, Emily, what you were saying of, me tending that walk with Jesus and going, God, what do you want me to do today? I know you want me to feed these children. I know you want me to disciple them. Yeah, feeding them is very important. Feeding is good. I know you want me to teach them you, but all those other things, it is, you know, it's being faithful to what you know God is, where he's put you, the season that you're in, and, you know, you may not be able to do all the, you know, the volleyball camps or all these kind of things, but in, in, and maybe you can, maybe you're in a season, I remember when it was just Isaac, we could do so many more things. And then we can feel guilty and be like, oh, our children have no experiences. Sometimes it feels like, every, you know, what are we? And going, no, it's, we go out in the backyard like last night and we run and we play and we, you know, realize God has put us with these specific children at this specific time and to be faithful and he will meet you there in that um, and and help you. Yeah. And I'd love to hear some of your perspective too because I mean, for you, you walked single for a long time and you had thought about missions for a long time and in the midst of all that, you were very faithful to serve in the church. You're a teacher, you're, you know, adoptive mom. I mean, like, you, you've walked through a lot of those different experiences. Just be curious to know some of those moments of discouragement that you've walked in. Um, yeah, I, uh, I love everything that you said, Karen. I agree wholeheartedly, and I think the biggest some ground the enemy can have in my life is when I start to look around and compare. Um, my eyes should be, you know, eternally focused and not, because when I start looking at this mom who's doing this, that, and the other, mm-hmm or whomever, um, I'm not that mom. And so, um, and even last night when I was talking to my husband just about, you know, and I was just like, I have way too many stories about where I feel like I messed up. You know, like those are easy to find and they're they're hard and they still sometimes hurt, you know, and um, because I'm not perfect and I haven't reached that and none of us have. I mean, I look around and I'm like, yes, I'd love to be, grow up to be a little bit. I'd love to be more like that and that, um, but even there, none of us have reached that perfection. And so we can, you know, have those mentors. And I mean, my mom has been a rock for me of the phone call of, you know, 
man, I just keep messing up and just those, I can't do this. I wasn't, I don't know why God, why I felt like God wanted me to do this because I don't think I'm doing it well. And, and just her being able to ground me and those are lies from the devil. Like you're in this and, and he's going to you know, be faithful. And, um, and so in, in every season, you know, when we were listening to that, that goodness of God song today, it just touched my heart again, just to remember just in every season, his faithfulness, like the little ounce of faithfulness I gave him to step into, you know, starting with middle schoolers, you know, I was like, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to do sixth grade, you know, those are, they're kind of crazy, they're kind of rowdy, and um, stepping into that, and then just learning from them, too, throughout it, you know, and now being able to see them as eighth graders, and being blessed to see the fruits, um, God does, you know, sometimes we don't see the fruit, and sometimes we do, and to and hold And they're begging those, you to go to high school. Yes. To know yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, those moments, the stepping into foster care when I was single and knowing I don't really know what this is going to look like, but I'll give an ounce and then the Lord gives everything mm-hmm. else. Um, and so he's just continued in those moments to just provide and prove himself faithful and prove himself He doesn't run good. out of faithfulness. Like I am amazed at like, I have the sign in my kitchen that says, you know, about just his grace is sufficient and how I just for today, like there's something where I'm like, I just have to survive today. Like, Lord, give me enough grace for today. And it is always enough, always. And then it starts back over the next day. Like, you know, in orphan, like, ministry, you know, world or foster care world, or like going, like the hurts that some of these babies have gone through and going, Lord, I am so insufficient. I don't know what, and he will, he meets us in every, single step every phase I'm like and that, and that song particularly touched me this morning too because it's he is always faithful hmm. yeah and that like and I think we always the cliche lamentations his mercies are new every morning but it's it's a cliche for a reason because we need to remember that that um because I think right before that it talks almost about like gnashing of like teeth where you're he was so discouraged you know so in it but the Lord's faith, mm-hmm. his, his mercies are new every morning. And so the same, you know, grace that I can so easily extend if my sister calls me and says, I feel like I messed up on this. Or if my friend says, you know, the same grace I can extend, I need to say the, the Lord's mercies for me are new too. And I can step into that. And then I can also be able to walk in that and say, you know, out of that, everything that the Lord gives us is, that's what I'm giving back to my girls, you know, my kids and, and knowing I can do this because Christ did it first. His mm-hmm. love compelled us, right? You know, I'd like to insert something here. (laughs) And I, there's been a theme here, of course, of discouragement. And that is just a, you can't get away from that. And I think you probably can't get away from that even in business or school teaching, whatever it is you're doing. But and and the faithfulness of God. And I want to say that all of these ladies, all of us, we look pretty good this morning. Because <laughs> I agree, Linda. We, Boy. I mean <laughs> I mean, I'm looking as good as I can. <laughs> and really trying to you know look like we know what we're talking about. Well, I think all of these ladies do, but and I, I, I've been there I've been for several years, and I want to tell you that 
if there's been anybody discouraged, it really has been God discouraged with me because I am not, I do not, I have not been very faithful. I, he's the one that's been faithful, of course, just like you have said. But there have been times that really, he has drugged me kicking and screaming to my chair to read my Bible in the morning or to get out of bed. I don't get up early. I don't wake up early. I just kind of thaw in the morning. (laughs) And I just... Ross is up, you know, he likes to about five or whatever, and I never have. And so finally God just says, you know, get here, sit down there, and oh, read this thing. Well, I do because I'm supposed to. Well, there, now there are mornings that I look for, I get up, I do but there have been times, God has had to, I have kind of been that, that rebellious child, I guess you'd say. I, I knew he loved me, I loved him. I tell you, I am so grateful for his mercy and his grace to me, I'm, his mercy that he saved me. My own life, where I came from, just my walk with my selfish walk, life, I can't believe that Jesus died for Mm -hmm. such a one as me. I cannot believe it. There is no reason. He is so good and so gracious. And why, with all of that, have I still been stubborn? I don't know. I don't know. But I am so grateful because he did not require me to, ev- to, you know, walk, the, walk in the same way every day. He always, even on that day that I was rebellious, or, or not maybe rebellious, just inattentive, he still, he was faithful. Mm-hmm. God is faithful, and he is sovereign. And on the days when I said, oh, I want to do over because I really blew it today, you know what? He was sovereign, and he even used some of the mistakes that I made. He, he used them for his good anyway. Now, I don't say that that's, I'm not saying this is a formula (laughs) to follow. (laughs) I'm just saying that if you are discouraged, and now, uh, you know what that has produced. It has produced a lot of guilt, and I struggle with guilt. And in fact, if there's any mom in here that has never struggled with guilt, well, you know what? You're lying to us (laughs) because... If you've never experienced guilt, that means you've never had children or you've never lived a couple of days. And so I'll tell you what. The Lord is so good. And he says in Psalm 32 that he not only has forgiven us for our sins, so make confess, he has forgiven the guilt of our sin. And I tell you, I just camp on that anymore because 
guilt will totally paralyze us. And we'll think, well, I blew it there, therefore I can't do something else. And he, he is just so good mm -hmm. despite our failures. Yep. And I think that's the lesson of my life is that he has even used me in spite of myself. Yeah, amen. And well, it may not be a formula, but every single one of us have just fallen out of bed in the morning and been like, ugh. Like, so, I mean, that's the story of all of us. Um, and it's the story of singles, non, you know, marrieds. It's the story of those that have kids, it's fathers and, and wives. It, uh, moms, we all have that moment of guilt. We all have those moments where we just walk and it's hard, and, it's, and I think that's what's so good here, because we can really start buying into the lies of the enemy that we're all alone, and that we're the problem, and nobody else is like us, and, and we, we don't have it together while everybody else does. So I want to end kind of with this question. We've talked about some of the discouragements, but at the same time, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of all of our challenges, God, Linda, as you so perfectly like segued in, has also borne fruit. And so I would just love to hear just some of those moments in your life where you can look back and just go, man, there was so much joy in this moment, in, in this relationship where I stepped in and I was faithful, whether it was with one of your kids or whether it was somebody you were mentoring or whether it was with a, a young person that you're walking with and you're trying to just help nurture in that space. But what are some of those moments of joy where you're like, wow, God really is working in spite of me? And, and here's the, the fruit of that. Love to hear that as kind of a way to wrap up. I was actually praying about that this morning. I didn't know you were going to ask that question, but I felt like the Lord just brought it to mind during one of the songs. But um, our oldest son, Isaac, um, he's 22, can be 23. And, you know, this whole, you know, raising teenager thing and trying to figure that out, especially first go round, was brutal for me. And, you know, just trying to go, okay, when do I say something? When do I not say something? When do you, how do you disciple, get this grown into a man? How do you do all these things? And you're trying, you're trying, you're trying. And I remember, this is a two-part story. I'll make it short. But I remember in the laundry room, I had completely bombed something. I had tried to discipline him, and I got too frustrated and um, got real sharp with him. And he came in the laundry room, and I just started crying. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm trying my best. Like, I need grace. I need, like, I just remember thinking, I, how, why am, how am I in this position to do this thing that I don't know what I'm doing? And, but again, the Lord was faithful day by day by day of discipling and failing and asking forgiveness and pouring in and failing and asking forgiveness and, and, and continuing to go throughout his whole life. And I will never forget the moment where Isaac... Um, Lily's in here somewhere. She's about to go off to college. So Molly and Jason are going to be filling this. But I will never forget Isaac sitting as a 19, 18 or 19 year on the sofa. And it was that moment where I had kindled and, and discipled and poured and versed in songs and done all of these, these things, you know, by God's strength. And there was only one question that mattered. And I knew all of my failures, all of my, all of my shortcomings. And I had this big box, and we had provide, you know, prepared all these fun things for his college dorm. And I just looked at him, 
And I said, there's only one question I have for you. Did I teach you Jesus? And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, yes. And that was it. You know, that the failures didn't matter, none of that. And he's walking with the Lord now. And, you know, that's all that matter. And the, the, the joy and the victory of going through all the hard and discipling, it is not easy no matter who you're discipling. But the Lord was faithful and I didn't produce the, you know, God is the one that made it grow in his heart, but I was, I was faithful with his help. Um, And that is one of my sweetest memories. Um, A woman comes to mind um, when I lived overseas and taught overseas in Asia. Uh, I've known her for many years. Of course, she's younger than I am. I met her when she was a college student. Um, trying to figure out life, what direction to go in. Um, And she was interested in spiritual things, and so there were many years of pouring into her um, studies, walking alongside her, um, asking questions, answering questions, uh, doing life with her. but one of the things that in many Asian cultures is particularly hard uh, for, and she came to know the Lord uh, fairly early on, but one thing that's particularly hard for women in Asian cultures is singleness. Um, it's expected that you will marry. There is great pressure to be married. And in the church, for single women to find a sing- uh, single godly husband is, is challenging. Um, But I've watched this woman over the years, and now from afar, uh, continue to follow the Lord. Um, And I felt one of my um, things that God was able to use while I was overseas is to be a model for other single women to show that there is life. There is much life to be lived. There is much that you have to give. Um, In some ways, some of our life is even freer because we don't have the family with us. Um, but there can be great happiness and fulfillment, and I think they need to see that modeled. Mm-hmm. Um, I see her modeling that now. Mm-hmm. This woman has gone on to graduate. She is teaching Chinese to foreigners in univer- at a university. Um, she has sought out a few other like-minded believers in her area uh, that are single, and she called it an even though yet work, based on a scripture you might imagine in Habakkuk, even though there is no cattle in the barns, even though I am single, yet will I glorify the Lord, yet will I magnify him, yet will I rest and trust in him. Um, And she's leading others in a small study about that. And I was just amazed and blown away when I saw that. it's a struggle sometimes to be a single, and especially in those kinds of cultures, but she is walking strong, and she is rejoicing in him, and um, that just did my heart so, Amen. so much Amen. to see that. Well, I think that um, there's, that those are just wonderful things to be reminded and to, to end our time with, and I think as, as a church, be encouraged that in the moments where you feel insufficient, Don't let your insufficiencies, your fears, your discouragements keep you from stepping out and being faithful 
because then you never get to see the fruit of the Lord's work in you and through you. Even when you're a mess and even when you know you don't have it all together, and it's so neat to walk those roads over the course of years and days and, and, and time to see what God is doing in spite of you and to de- see what God is, is truly doing um, in our lives. And so, so thankful for you all being here. And can we just give them a hand and thank them for being present? You guys are free to head down. Thank you very much, guys, and for being here. I, I want to turn our attention at this point to just a, two, two things real quick. One, as these ladies depart, um, I'm just going to stay seated here if that's okay. And um, one, to just encourage you to, regardless of where you are in space, is to think about how are you and how are, how are we as a church being faithful to the call in our lives to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, we all have that call. Um, regardless, maybe you're doing it in your home. Maybe you're doing it in your um, you're doing it in your workplace. Maybe you're a student and you're doing it in your classroom settings. Wh- whatever that is, even for these young kids that were baptized today, they have a calling, they have a purpose, and they have giftings within the church of God. And, and that part of that calling is to make disciples and, and to and to share and to just tell people and testify to the work that God has done. And so I want to challenge us and leave us with that as we think about. Um, Mother's Day and what all that looks like. The next thing I want to turn our attention to is a time of, of communion. And so if you have your communion cups, go ahead and grab those at this point. If you didn't grab one of the little cups of elements, um, raise your hand. We've got a team that will be coming around to pass those out. But on, on this Mother's Day, I, I want to share a couple of things that I read um, in an article this week on uh, on the Lord's Supper and why we gather and why we do that on this day and why we do that every single week because I just think it's something that we can easily just bypass and go beyond. But um, the first thing is, is the reason we come in to this moment every single week is to enjoy and exalt the Lord. We come to this moment as a family as brothers and sisters in Christ, to enjoy God's presence. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. First Corinthians says, every time we get together, we should be taking of the Lord's Supper, proclaiming his death. And so every time we sit here and we take this, as a family of God, we get to proclaim the death of Christ. We get to extol and ex- exalt him and the work he has done. And so every time we get together, whether it's in a house church or a gospel life class or whether it's a praise and worship night or whether it's here together in the church on a Sunday morning, like we get to exalt and proclaim and enjoy our King and our God. And the second thing as we take this is it's an opportunity for us to abide in his presence. How many of you have been discouraged this week? Like, just raise your hand. Like It's good for everybody to see if you've been discouraged this week. Like, like if you've been discouraged this week, we get to be reminded every time we get together, you're not alone in that. And you get to abide in the grace and the mercy of Christ that was talked about so much today. That we get to come to his table and be reminded that his blood is sufficient no matter what. It's sufficient to cover all things. And it's sufficient to cover um, all components of our lives and all of our failures. And he promises to work through us and in us in spite of those things. Thirdly, it's a reminder of our unity. I love that. First Corinthians 1017 tells us that. It reminds us of that. We're all here together. And so whatever you struggle through, you're not alone. And lastly, it's an opportunity for us to examine our own faithfulness, to confess our sins, 
and to repent of those sins. It's not good enough to just come and say, Lord, thanks for forgiving me, but an opportunity for us to come and to confess those things before the Lord as well. And so I want us to take just a moment, and then we're going to take this together before we sing a song. Uh, I want you to just take a moment, just bow your head, close your eyes, and take this time to be reminded of who you are in Christ and what these things represent. But now to take the moment to just confess and to just lay those things and those failures down before the Lord. Father, in this room, you have a room full of fathers, husbands, mothers, wives, sons, daughters, students, businessmen, businesswomen, teachers, and a million other descriptive words that I could use. And in each of those roles that you've put us in, I'm guessing that each of us could communicate some feeling of failure. some area where we have not walked faithfully, an area where we have not really borne your image well in our lives. And this is an opportunity for us, Lord, that you give us every single week to remember the work of your son, to remember that all of the record of death, all of our failures, all of our insufficiencies is talked about so much this week, all of them have been nailed to the cross. And you simply call us to come and to confess those things so that we can continue to abide in you and to repent of those things turning because life is not found in them. And so, Lord, you've done that all, but in this moment, we get to be reminded that when you look upon us, you don't see our unrighteousness, which is what we deserve. You see, our, you see the righteousness of your son because of the work he did on the cross. So we thank you for that. We thank you that you have reconciled us, that we could be in your presence this morning and we could come to this table. We're thankful that it's not just about us, that it's it's not just our stories, but it's all of the men and women in this room, all of the young people in this room, all the kids in this room, that have put their faith in you, that we're all part of the same family and we all get to come to the same table. Father, I pray that that's a testimony to those in this room that don't know you, that they would desire to be a part of your family. They would desire to experience the same grace and mercy that the rest of us do every day. And so Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for the time to be reminded we're not alone. 
We thank you for the time to confess and to be assured because your word says so that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins.